0: Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, the pains of Sheol got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. Deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord.
1: Good morning. We're still taking a break from the book of Romans. And uh, going through a Christmas gift we all get that sometimes we forget we have. And that's a relationship with God the Father. So we've been going over some of the attributes of God the Father and talking about them. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at uh, compassion, God being compassionate. This falls within the category of God's love. Because God loves us, He's compassionate. And His compassion is a strong emotional involvement with others that results in acts of mercy. So love, compassion, and mercy all seem to go together because they all surround around the attribute of compassion. God's attribute of compassion is a model for the believers to follow. So it's one of those attributes that we in some way know and somehow can do. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Some people say there's no God, and the Bible calls them a fool. Some people say God does not care about you. That God wound up the universe and let it go and then left it to run by itself. Some people say that Mother Earth is God. That that God who is the creator cannot have an effect upon you as creation. But the God of the Bible is different. By the nature of God... He is compassionate. He is compassionate. And many times he shows his compassion just like a mother would show her compassion to a child. In 1975, there was a child born. His name was Raymond Dunn. Raymond Dunn. He was born in New York. They found after he was born that he had a skull fracture. And because of that and other complications, he was oxygen deprived. He had uh, severe retardation, had mental problems. He had all kinds of issues. He had a twisted body. He suffered up to 20 seizures a day. He was blind. He was mute. And he couldn't move. He had severe allergies that limited to only one food a meat-based formula made by Gerber Foods. That's all he could eat. In 1985, Gerber stopped making that meal, that bottle of food. So his mom went all over America collecting bottles and crates of food so Raymond could eat. In 1990... She ran out of food that she had collected. So five years she collected all that food. Lasted five years. Her supply ran out. She was desperate. She called Gerber. They said they stopped making it. The assembly line wasn't done. The menu wasn't recreated somehow. It was all done. It was done away with. Some of the employees of the company found out about it and had compassion upon that mother and Raymond. So they decided to put together an assembly line, got permission to get the uh, food made again, and they made him a Gerber bottle food. They didn't get paid, they did it in their free time. But a bunch of people had compassion and worked Uh, later on in 1995 uh, Raymond died Raymond died but he was shown compassion by several people he'd never met who did something to show their love for him now I would hope that Christians were in that group I would hope that somebody that knows the compassion of God was in that group. Because that is how a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is to show compassion. To do it out of a heart of love and to do it willingly, not for any gain, but to do it as an act of love because of the compassion you have for the person. This makes compassion a very difficult thing to understand. Let's look at uh, Psalm 116. Hopefully you're still there. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. In verse 5, we have three attributes that are uh, identified by the... uh, psalmist who writes this prayer really is what it is a prayer to God and as he's praying he talks about the attributes of God by the way that's a good good way of praying selecting attributes of God and praying about it verse 5 gracious is the Lord and righteous gracious we talked about at Christmas time so we don't have to go over that again righteous we still haven't got to righteous yet. Maybe we'll get that next week, or we'll get it later. Notice the third one. Yes, our God is compassionate. Our God is compassionate. Some of your versions say mercy. Uh, the word, the word is racham. the Hebrew word racham. and it does mean mercy or pity or compassion. Depending upon the context, it occurs seventeen times in the Old Testament. It occurs fourteen times, talking about God as compassionate or having pity or having mercy. <laughs> the other times, you know what it's—it's it's translated a person's name, <laughs> Rackham. But. I want you to notice compassion. Why must God be compassionate? First question. Why must God be compassionate? God must be compassionate because by nature, God is compassion. God is compassion. He shows compassion because he is compassion. He shows love because he is love. He shows pity because he has a feeling of For you, that displays itself in actions of being concerned for you and meets your needs. He is a compassionate God. Notice the our God. I like that. Our God. Our relationship. Our relationship with God. We can pray to him for compassion because he's our God. There's a relationship there. There's a a notion of the definition here of pardoning love that restores a person to fellowship with God. That the work of compassion restores you to fellowship with God. It's a strong emotional involvement that results in the acts of mercy. God is more than compassionate. He is compassion. He is compassion. He is compassion. Now, uh, Rackham really means... Literally, if we were to translate it literally exactly how the Hebrew is, we would translate it many stomachs. Many stomachs. (laughs) They thought in that day that your passion comes from your stomach. Therefore, the word racham means many stomachs. Much compassion. Exceeding compassion. (laughs) The best compassion. So that you receive from God the ultimate in compassion. God shows you compassion. The compassion of God restricts his judgment, or maybe what you deserve, and extends his mercy. The great compassion God gives to fallen mankind is the opportunity to be saved. So, you have the compassion of God. Now, All this month, I've been trying to take uh, attributes and I've been trying to take the whole 30 minutes to talk about the attribute that God has. But this morning is going to be a little different because I think we're done. This verse basically tells us everything we need to know about God's compassion. God is compassion. He is compassion. But rather than praying and letting you go early, let's talk about how compassion changes us. How compassion changes us. In other words, why is God compassionate? Why is he compassionate? He's compassionate because of us. He's compassionate because of us. Now, you might think, well, uh, I'm a pretty good-looking guy, a strong good-looking guy, that's that's exactly why God's showing me compassion or however your attribute you can think of yourself. But that's not what we learn in Scripture. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. Now, when I describe myself to somebody I've never met, That's not one of the things I come up with. (laughs) Simple. I was brought low. Again, that's not another thing I think of when I think of myself being brought low. And he saved me. Now that one comes up. But the interesting thing is the Hebrew does not say that. We'll talk about that. First off, let's talk about The Lord preserving the simple. The simple. Why is God compassionate? By nature, I am simple. I am simple. The Lord preserves because of his compassion. He comes out in actions and he shows compassion to me through his acts of mercy. Because I am simple. Now, what does simple mean? Ask me. What does simple mean? Thank you. There are two ways of looking at simple in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a negative way, a negative view of simple that God looks at. And there's a positive view of simple. Uh, simple is used once in Ezekiel, once in uh, here, but many times in Proverbs. So that's basically where we're getting the definition from. Negative. If somebody calls you simple, and they use it in a negative way, they mean that you cannot keep or preserve yourself. You cannot main, maintain control of yourself. Or you would they would say that you're inexperienced, that you're untried, that you're not able to take care of yourself. Simple may be immature, You don't have the experience. You're weak in your understanding. And maybe that you're open to persuasion of others. Now, we could go down that road looking at more negative ways of how you are simple. But I don't want to go that way. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, simple is used in a positive way. Let me share that with you. The simple do not lean on their own understanding, but seek direction by God. Okay, that sounds good. If you're talking about simple that way, I'd like that one. They have no confidence in their own self-sufficiency, but they trust God. Well, that's good. I'd take that one too. The Lord preserves and keeps those who are simple and unwavering in their trust of God. I like that. But, either way you look at yourself, positive or negative, you are simple. And if all of us are simple, we need God to be compassionate. We need God to be compassionate. We have to have His compassion. His compassion is what protects us. And... Literally, all people are simple. So if you're simple, you need God to be compassionate. Therefore, God created us to be weak, simple like we are. And because of that, he shows his compassion. So a proper self-image we need to have is that we are in need of God's compassion. You do not need God's compassion once a week. You do not need God's compassion once a day. You need God's compassion all the time. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? (laughs) Some kind of noise, please. Second. Third, actually. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low. I was brought low. Why must God be compassionate? Because, third... By nature, I will be in a hard spot. I will be in a hard spot. Now, you can translate that answer however you want. You will be in between a rock and a hard place someday. You will have problems someday. You will need help someday. You can write it however you want. I put, someday, this week, I will be in a hard spot. I will need somebody to be compassionate to me. And that comes from God. I need God. Sometime this week, I will be (laughs) painted into a corner and I need help. And the one I need to call on is God. I will be brought low. I will be in great need. That's the reason the psalmist is praying. He's asking God to work in his life. He has a great need. Literally, in the Hebrew, it means to be hanging down by a rope. (laughs) In other words, you reach the end of your rope. You're hanging. Your weakness has caused you to be ill. Your extreme weakness has caused you to be exhausted. You're at the end of your rope. The Hebrew term was used about people who dig mines. Matter of fact, in Job 28 verse 4, talks about, he sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro far from men. That's the word that's being used here. You are hanging by the edge of your rope. And there will be a time this week that you will be hanging. Because you are simple, because you are human, because you live in this world, you will be there at the end of your rope. And God is the only one That can meet your needs. Because he's compassionate. If God was not compassionate, you would have no hope at the end of that rope. God is compassionate. And he will take care of you. He will be there at the end of the rope with you. Believers plunged into the depth of misery, God helps you. Divine help comes with your human pain. You're brought low by affliction and hardship. The question does not mean when. (laughs) It doesn't mean if. You'll have a hard day. It's when you'll have a hard day. And God's compassion will be there for you. That is why God is compassion. Because you will need Him. Fourth, the Lord preserves the simple... I was brought low, and he saved me. He saved me. Why must God be compassionate? Because by nature, I need deliverance. I need deliverance. Uh, When you go through the Old Testament, and you come across this word that's translated save or salvation, it doesn't mean the same thing that it means in the New Testament. In the New Testament, salvation means what? It means you place your faith in Jesus Christ and you are saved eternally. Okay, in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean that. It means that you are in a at the end of your rope and you need to be delivered. Maybe the best translation might be uh, "you need help" or "you need to be delivered." But whatever it is. It, it doesn't come across the same way we mean by salvation. Although you could translate it that way. That's why some of our English translations do. But it means to be delivered. Means to be delivered. By nature, I need deliverance. Because I will need help. The problems will come. It will come and will come. And I need to be delivered, rescued in a physical way. I need God to give me strength. I need God to deliver me from the hardships of this life. I need God to be protective of me. Because I am weak and simple. God is all powerful and his protection can protect you. All of us. God keeps us. In, in a way, you can almost translate it this way. He will get you in a position of victory. He'll get you in a position of victory. You may be at the end of your rope. You may be simple, inexperienced, not knowing what to do. You may be caught up in trouble. Left, right, up, down. You're Everywhere you go, you're in trouble. God is the one who will deliver you. He will rescue you. He will give you the victory in this life and he will make it so that you grow and understand you're protected now you know if you go to the wrong prayer meeting what you'll get is a list of everything going bad in everybody's life but you got to understand that with the proper mindset of the compassion of god Every time you have a hardship, you have God's compassion to meet that hardship. Therefore, God can work in every hardship and show his compassion and make you stronger and give you the victory. So sometimes we try to avoid hardships, don't we? But it's through the hardships of life that God gives us the victory. God gives us the victory, because He's compassionate. Now, let's kind of switch gears a little bit here. okay. God is compassion. He is compassion. Why is he compassionate? Because we're simple because <laughs> we're going to be the end of our rope because we're going to need Him to deliver us. But we have a lot of verses that talk about God's compassion. A lot more than we can cut it cover this morning, but there are things that God needs to do in our life that we understand His compassion and the reason for His compassion, what He's doing for us to help us in this life. You ready? You ready? Here we go. Here we go. Turn to Psalms. 78 Psalm 78 78 drop down to verse 38 Psalm 78 verse 38 <clears throat> Now this is going to get you first time you read it so you got to go through it a couple times here make sure you understand what's going on Okay Verse 38 Psalm 70, everybody there? Here we go. But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity, their sin. God, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity. That's interesting. We'll come back to that. And did not destroy them. God is compassionate. One of the ways you see that God is compassionate is that you do not get destroyed. Now, why would you be considered risky of being destroyed? Because you commit iniquity. You commit sins. You commit one sin and you're worthy of eternal, what? Punishment. For one bad thought. For one, lusting for more money, lusting for a new car, lusting, just one. I don't want to pick on everybody's sins, okay? Sorry if I got too close there. But any one sin, you're on the list to be destroyed. But because of God's compassion, he lets you live. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something to praise God about? And He does not destroy them. And often He restrains His anger and does not arouse all His wrath. Isn't that good? One day He will arouse all His wrath. And that one sin may cost you an eternal separation from God if you're not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the compassion of God, the compassion of God changed the way a believer views life. Here you go. This is how it changes your life. Believers know that sinners are alive to hear the gospel message. Believers know that sinners are alive to hear the gospel message. If you, uh, if you meet a non-believer, well, okay, I'm not going to do this. No, I don't want to do this. No, this is not how to witness. Okay? This afternoon, you go to McDonald's for lunch. You don't witness to the guy who does your Big Mac for you by saying, isn't it good to be alive? You sinner, you. You should be destroyed by an all-powerful God forever. But you're alive. It's good to be alive, isn't it? Now, don't do that. But biblically, you could do that. The reason non-believers are alive today is so you can share the gospel with them. That'll change your perspective of the non-believer you meet this afternoon. The reason they're alive is so that you can share the gospel with them. Because God is compassionate and doesn't want anyone to be lost. And God gives you opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a non-believer so that he can be saved and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The compassion of God restricts his judgment and extends his mercy. God shows his compassion by not destroying sinners. He forgives their iniquity and prepares for them a way of salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. God is compassionate and will forgive them if they repent of their sins. Uh, the Hebrew there, forgive is kafar. Kafar means to cover. Their sins need to be covered. If their sins are not covered, they'll be destroyed eternally in a lake of fire. When you cover your sins, the punishment is done away with. God does not destroy them. God of compassion withdraws His wrath for a time for sinners to hear the gospel. Remember, he's talking the old testament here, Psalm 78, he's talking about Israel, talking about all the rebellion Israel did in the Old Testament. Always, always, always they deserved to be destroyed, didn't they? They sinned, they sinned, they sinned, they did. If I was God, I would destroy them. But you don't want sinner being God. They sinned over and over and over and over again. But God was compassionate and patient, waiting for them to hear the good news and be saved. God offers a possibility to be forgiven by turning to Jesus Christ. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, drop down to verse 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. This is good. This is good. This will really help us. Okay, so because of the compassion of God, he wants us to share the gospel. That's why he's not destroying sinners this afternoon. Okay? They're there for us to share the gospel. Second, this is great. You're going to love this. Jesus gets in a boat and he wants to go on a vacation. He wants to go with his disciples, his good friends, and he wants to relax. That's the plan. He wants to relax. He gets off the ship, the boat, and at the shore with his feet still getting in the water, guess what he sees? He sees a crowd of people looking for him. Oh, come on now. Can you imagine this? Let's say you're a pastor. You take a vacation. You go to Los Angeles. And you go, wow, this is good. And then you see... Everyone from the church in Los Angeles. Looking forward to the next sermon you're going to preach on Sunday in Los Angeles. You know what I'd say? Dude, get back on your boat and get back out of here. I'm on vacation. Here you come. Here you come. Jesus gets off the boat. Listen to what he says. Verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. By the way, the Greek word for large means large. large, large, large crowd. And he felt what? Compassion. He felt compassion for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He saw a large crowd. He went ashore. He takes the disciples and he wants a, rest, a time of rest. He gets to the shore and he sees a large crowd looking for him. He, he, he has compassion upon them. Put it this way. Number two, how does the compassion of God change the way a believer views life? Number two, believers know that compassion causes us to view everyone as in need of a shepherd causes us to view everyone in need of a shepherd. It causes us not to see a large crowd, but a flock in need of a shepherd. When we look at people this afternoon, we will look at them as sheep needing a shepherd. When you go to Costco before Christmas, and you're one of a billion people in Costco, you look around, you don't see people, you want to leave the store so you can shop, you will see a flock of sheep that need a shepherd. When you start thinking of people as needing a shepherd, you're starting to get close to understanding compassion. Jesus could have taken the day off. He could have said, okay, let's get back in the book. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go around the corner. Let's go down the Jordan a little bit further. We, gotta, we need a retreat. We need a vacation. We need time off. We need a day off. But he sees a large crowd and he has compassion. He has compassion. Jesus plans a rest time and gets interrupted by a large crowd. He felt compassion. The emotion of compassion comes with an action. The action here, I love this action. What actions does Jesus have? What does he do? He teaches them. He teaches them. The most compassionate thing you can do is to teach people the right doctrine. The first thing a non-believer needs is correct doctrine. They need a teacher. If you're married... What your spouse needs is teaching. If you have a family, what your family needs is teaching doctrine. What you have a need for at church is not a great storyteller, but doctrine to be preached. What you need to view, a large flock of sheep who needs a shepherd, they need a teacher. Guess who volunteers to be the teacher? The one who, who has felt the compassion of Jesus Christ already and has been saved. How many, Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many people in this room are shepherds? Well, all of them that have been saved. And every person you meet today is either a member of your flock or not. And they are to be taught. Whoever they are, they're to be taught. Jesus Sees a large crowd, doesn't see an interruption, he has compassion for them, and then he teaches them. I love Jesus. He teaches them. Jesus, being God, gives an example of what it means to be compassionate. The shepherd part, they were a sheep without shepherds. Shep. Uh, she. <laughs> Sheep are not smart, okay? I understand, again, I'm going into grounds of being a farmer, but understand, I've learned from books that sheep will not graze or find grazing land unless they're led to grazing land. They will not drink water unless they're guided to water. They won't go anywhere (laughs) because they're sheep. They're not very sharp. Guess what? We have a world of sheep around us. You'll meet a bunch of them this afternoon, this week. You'll work with them. You'll be with them. And they'll be sheep. And they're not that smart. They need correct doctrine. They need a shepherd to come along and protect them. They need a shepherd like Moses. They need a shepherd like Joshua in the Old Testament. They need a shepherd that will lead, protect, guide, feed them, and direct them in the right direction to go. And that is our job. We are qualified as shepherds. And we're to be compassionate upon them. And he began to teach them a few things. Is that what it says? Began to teach them some things. Is that what it says? Began to teach them many things. Pastor, what do I teach them? You teach them many things. You just continue to teach. You can teach and teach and teach. You teach them doctrine. Hopefully that you learned at church. Maybe not. You learned at home in the Bible. You began to teach. Jesus, of course, showed himself as a true shepherd because he taught them the truth. Jesus taught them many things. Here we go. Turn to your Bibles of James. James chapter 5. Now, we've been in James, you know James, so this is reviewed for you. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we'll we'll learn the third thing that believers should change because of the compassion you experience from God. If you've been touched by compassion, you change. You see every non-believer as being alive because of the compassion of God. So, you can share with them the gospel. You will see them as sheep, needing a shepherd, needing to be taught doctrine. And third, James chapter 5, verse 11. Verse 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Compassion and mercy going together. We see that a number of times in the New Testament. Compassion and mercy. How does the compassion of God change the way a believer views life? Number three, believers know that compassion causes us to be patient and endure this life. Endure hardship. It causes you to understand that God's compassion you will never leave that God will never take it away from you, that even in hardships, you have the compassion of God. God will take care of you. You're protected by an all-powerful God. He will minister to you even through hardships. God will be compassionate. He is compassionate. He can't stop being compassionate. So even in a difficult time, you will endure. You will endure. You will endure like Job. Let's start at the end. God is full of compassion. He has everything he needs to be compassionate. So, start at the end. God's compassionate. If he's compassionate, what do you begin with? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. You, If you want to be blessed, you accept the things God brings into your life. Because they're not hardships, they're blessings. God blesses you who endure. The reason you can endure because you know there's a God, you know the doctrine that God is compassionate. And you know God will always be compassionate every single day, every single hour, every single minute. And everything you go through, you will be, feel that compassion. So no matter what happens, you will be blessed. You will endure You will actually get through the hardship that you're going through. (laughs) You'll bear up under the hardship. You've heard the endurance of Job. Job didn't complain. He refused to renounce God over and over again. But Job waited. And he got his blessing at the end. We endure because we know we'll feel God's compassion sometime through this life. It may be at the end. We'll see the outcome of the Lord's dealing. God works through his dealings with us. Job demonstrated the endurance and he received God's blessing at the end. The Lord was honored and he multiplied what Job had. God, because of his compassion for you, may bring you into a hardship this week. And that hardship may not be wrong or evil. That hardship might be the absolute best thing for you. Because you will deal with it. Because you know the compassion of God. You will deal with it and endure. You'll wait. You'll be true to God and you'll wait. And you'll wait. And you'll wait. And you'll wait. And And when you say to yourself, no human being would wait this long. And you'll wait. And you'll wait. And through it all, you'll get to a point where God's compassion will pour out on you and He blesses you. And He blesses you. And it may be just an example for the other sheep around you to see the trust you have in God. And you may be able to teach them the doctrine in Colossians. Got one more for you. Fourth thing that will change your life because of God's compassion. God's compassion, will you'll see everyone in the world touched by the compassion of God and waiting for you to share the gospel. You'll see sheep that need a shepherd. You'll view them differently. And you want to show your compassion you've received from Christ upon those sheep. You'll teach them. And then you will go through and endure like Job. Whatever happens in this life. Fourth, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Everybody there? Don't get tired on me yet. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion... You are commanded to put on a heart of compassion. Put on is imperative. It's a command and it's aorist tense. It seems like it's a one-time command for you. You do it once and it should stay on forever. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against you, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Bear with one another and forgive each other. You know the compassion of God. Number four, because of the compassion of God, believers know that compassion causes us to be compassionate and to forgive one another. To forgive one another. We're to put on a heart of compassion. If we put on a heart of compassion, it changes how we view other people, and we will forgive them. We will forgive them, and we'll bear the burdens with them. We will put up, handle with this world we live in. <clears throat> you know, if I had all power, you know what i do? i make everybody stay in one church forever. Because <laughs> you never learn enough. There you go. When you learn everything, you can leave church and go somewhere else. Okay. Until then, stay where you're at. You want to be taught compassion. Therefore, you don't leave because of somebody sitting five rows away from you. I don't care why they upset you. You're to bear with them and forgive them. Period. Why? Because you put on a heart of compassion. Look at bear with you. Bear with one another. This is the case, listen, listen, listen. This is the case where somebody irritates you having done nothing sinful. Okay? If someone bothers you because Oh my goodness, I wish I could bring my wife up here. She taught her kids, she taught our kids how to tie their shoes wrong, okay? Somehow she gets the two bows and they cir- she circles the bows around. That's not how you tie your shoes. Anyway, she taught them wrong. Just because somebody ties their shoes wrong doesn't mean you go to another church, okay? You bear with them. Just because somebody has a personality and they seem like they're shouting all the time, you don't leave the church. You bear with them. Just because somebody is quiet and you can't hear them when they whisper at you, you don't leave the church. You bear with them. Why? Because you're compassionate like God. You put it on your heart. You deal with them. And when it's something non-sinful, you don't Deal with it by saying, oh, we're running away. We're going to another church. The pagans at that church are incredible. Just because you sit by somebody who sings off key doesn't mean you go to another church. You forgive them. No, you bear with them. Forgive them is different. Forgiveness is when a person or the other person does something sinful that hurts you. Does something sinful that hurts you. So, the first one bearing with is something that's non-sinful, but just different and rubs you the wrong way. Fingernails on a chalkboard. Just gets you. They tie their shoe the wrong way. But, when somebody sins against you, against you, you forgive them. Why? You should hold it over their head for years, right? Next time they want to be a deacon, you vote against them, right? No. You forgive them. You forgive them. You bear with them and you forgive them because you have a heart of compassion like God has for you. Application. Will I understand that God's compassion causes me to be compassionate with everyone? Is that the blank there? Everyone? Hope that's the blank there. If it's not, make a blank, put everyone. <laughs> everyone. You look around this room, you should be able to say, I am compassionate with every single person in this room. This is simple. This is your church. These are the people you love. And they love you. Everyone. You're to be compassionate because God's compassionate to you. Be compassionate with everyone I meet by being a shepherd to them. By meeting them, you get to be a shepherd to them. And or patient with them. And or forgiving to them. Probably should put a fourth one. And bearing with them. You bear with them. You forgive them. You love them. And you show your compassion to them by being compassionate. And you accept their personality as a pers- their personality. You love that God creates people differently than you. Thank goodness. And you be thankful. And you love your church. You support your church. And you show compassion to your church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us and you showed your compassion to us that day when somebody shared with us this gospel message and we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Father, for that day that we were plunged into the world of compassion. I pray, Father, now that you would help us this week to show compassion to others, maybe to sheep that don't know you, that sheep that need correct doctrine, that needs to be taught, that you are compassion, that we are to be compassionate because you're compassion. Help us, Father, this week to be compassionate to others, that bear with one another, to forgive one another, to be compassionate to everyone. I pray, Father, for anybody in this room that holds a grudge against somebody else, that they would get over it and they ask your forgiveness for holding a grudge. I pray, Father, for a person who is not as close as they should be within this church. And I pray, Father, before they leave the building, they go and apologize to the other person and reconcile their relationship. Father, we are to be a family. And I pray, Father, that we would show compassion every single day in church and outside of church. Father, help us to show your love through acts of compassion. This week I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.